entering the Freedom Hut. Canceled for wearing a What American News t-shirt. Stop the statue vandals. Trump's law enforcement EO today, plus Bolton's book betrayal coming up. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. You think I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Great to have you here with me, as always. And I got to tell you, uh, we need to have some real talk today. I I think we always do that. But in particular right now, I think there needs to be a a moment of understanding of what we are really facing right now. Uh, At this point in time, and this is the first time I felt this way, perhaps in almost four years right now the trump movement is losing right now the bad guys are winning we need to understand that we need to face that reality and i'm not just basing this on the polls i'm not just looking at this in a moment of of particular stress in the country and and there's this widespread panic out there about what's going to happen to cities what's going to happen to the economy We've dealt with a lot of stress. I haven't thought until now, until the last week or so, that the president has really lost the momentum. And we know that the media is telling us all the time, oh, he's going to get impeached. Oh, he's going to get removed. No, we have dug in. We have been here in the trench with the Trump movement, understanding how much they want to destroy it, understanding the lies that they will tell about it and all the things that they're willing to do to subvert it. But we've known that so far things have been going more or less in our direction. The economy was very strong. The media was on defense in a way they hadn't been in a very long time. Uh, The border was getting very slowly more secure. Uh, There were a lot of areas. Judges, though, you know, now, now we look at things that I would usually say here, like things are going our direction. How is it possible? I mean, really, folks, I'm, I'm here to speak truth as I see it, as I know it to all of you. How is it possible that we have the Federalist Society, we have entire institutions devoted to finding conservative judges? And, and yes, being a conservative means being a textualist, a constitutionalist. Somehow the left is able to put judges forward who are always reliable every time. And conservatives, especially Republican presidential nominees to the Supreme Court, they put people forward who not only are unreliable, sometimes are effectively tools for the other side. I mean, this decision that came down, the 6-3 decision uh, and, and the opinion written by Gorsuch is a disaster. It's a disaster. It's not a small thing. It's a huge thing. I now sit here and I can't tell you that free speech exists in this country anymore as a function. Previously, it had been an issue of culture. It had been, oh, well, you know, you don't want to get in trouble. You don't want to get mobbed. You don't want the you don't want your your company to decide to take action against you. Now, as a function of federal law, you are being forced to be complicit in things that are untrue, that are damaging, that are wrong. 
uh, just as one example that comes to mind, we no longer have the ability to use the appropriate gender pronoun for a person based on their actual gender. It is now a function of law. It is now a function of law to say whatever the preferred pronoun is. Now, how do you stop somebody from filing frivolous lawsuits? What if someone just transitioned and I didn't know and I call him a he and it's now a she or a she and it's now a he or it's a they or it's a Z or, you know, whatever it is. Right. How do I know? Oh, no, we're just going to let people get crushed in the machinery of the legal system now. Thanks to Gorsuch. Does anyone really think that freedom of religion is a real thing anymore? Do you realize how much money is waiting on the sidelines to go into the coffers of various left-wing legal... I mean, ACLU, just the tip of the iceberg, various left-wing legal outfits that are just going to sue and sue and sue. Bake that cake, conservatives. Get ready for it. Not just bake the cake and sell it to somebody. Oh, no, no, no. We know the difference. Now it's going to be write things on it that humiliate you. Write that there is no God. Write that... You know, whatever it is that someone wants to make you, you better do it or else. They'll claim discrimination. You say, well, how? Well, what does sex even mean anymore? Sex means anything relating to sex, according to the Supreme Court. My friends, we need to understand that things are not going well right now with the political movement that we voted for back in 2016. For this is the first time that it's felt to be like we're not winning. Now, I'm not despairing. We have an election ahead. We need to rally But it's wake-up time, my friends. It's wake-up time. The left is running roughshod over over people all across the country. They're canceling people left and right for things that no sane human being believes is wrong or evil. Or, you know, no person really can think that wearing a T-shirt should be a crime that you have to bend the knee for. A T-shirt of a news network that millions of people watch. You know, CNN is full of morons and is a fraud and Jeff Zucker is a bad person. But I don't think that if someone wears a CNN T-shirt or hat, they should lose their job. I just think they have bad taste in news networks. See, that's the country I want to live in. I don't want to live in a country where the mob gets to get enraged and determine whatever's okay today and whatever's okay tomorrow. And it changes constantly. I'm just going to say it. You know, I have been with Trump From day one of his presidency, I never wavered one second during Russia collusion. I never wavered one second during impeachment. And I've been telling you, enjoy this. When things were good, enjoy it. We're winning. Things are the way that we want them to be right now. Don't listen to the other people out there that are all, you know, everything's terrible. I mean, you know, it's easy to do that. No, things were good. Now I'm here to tell you things are actually turning against us in a meaningful way. Joe Biden, yeah, he's sleepy Joe, he's quasi-senile, he doesn't know where he is, he's a fraud, he's a liar, he's unimpressive, there's nothing about that. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. They would, the, the, the left will openly and willfully vote for a box of rusty nails over Donald Trump. And they might be able to make a box of rusty nails win unless we step up. When are people going to understand? It is incumbent upon all of us. I mean, there are people in all 50 states right now listening to this show. Many of you have influence. Many of you can mobilize. Many of you can do things to help this movement. And even if it's just in your town or just in your area, 
It's time to start to make some noise, my friends. The left is mobilized and organized, and they are going all out. Don't think, you think that Joe Biden becomes president and, oh, things are just going to be normal? Have you seen what the Democrat Party platform is? These people are insane. And we're going through a pandemic, trillions of dollars of spending. All of our freedoms have effectively been suspended on the whim of tyrannical governors with barely a peep from conservatives across the country. I'm sitting around thinking, you know, we got really mad about Obama's big spending back in the day. We're not even more mad about this. We're not even more mad about states telling you you can't go to a loved one's funeral while thousands and thousands of protesters are just down the street screaming and yelling and having spittle hit each other in the faces. We got to wake up, conservative America. What is happening here? And if you thought that Trump and the Supreme Court were our our last readout, you know, our, our, our bulwark against the left's assaults, I got news for you. You can't trust the Supreme Court to save you in the end. And Donald Trump may not get it done this fall. What do we have then? What do we have at that point? Very difficult battle ahead as well to control the Senate. We may be handing control of the House, the Senate and the presidency to the most insane left wing Democrat party you have ever seen in your life. And it's not even close. Where is the sense of urgency from conservatives? Where is the sense of fire in the belly? Why aren't all of you who care about this and politically involved on social media, using the platforms we have, reaching out to people, having your voices heard? You know, yeah, call your member of Congress. Do whatever you think you can do. But this is on all of us. It's go time. If we wait till August or September, it's going to be too late. They're getting ready to shut down states again. And you may say, well, Buck, I live in a red state and we're not that crazy. Really? How crazy are the cities in your red state? You really that you really that sure you want to place a bet that your state isn't going to get. Remember, Trump, it's the first time and it kills me to say it. Trump bent the knee on the extension of the lockdown. The 15 days, I, I think that that was. Understandable, acceptable. I don't give him a hard time on that. The extension beyond the 15 days was wrong. The extension beyond. But people are telling him two million Americans are going to die. The experts are all saying this. I understand he's under immense pressure. But who else is really carrying the torch here? Who else is really fired up and ready to go? You know, we rely so much on Trump to be the messenger and to fight back against the lunatic left. I'm starting to worry that he's he's getting a little tired. This guy's getting worn out. I mean, he, he, you know, he we've really had Trump as a one man messaging army for going on four years. And yes, he says things that need to be said. And yes, he has finally put the media on defense in a way that. But there are other areas of, of this country where we're losing. We're losing. The fact that you have defund the police as a major rallying cry among Democrats, and all normal Americans aren't completely appalled by this? That Democrat poll numbers aren't plummeting across the country? Because so everyone's so terrified of being on the wrong side of the Black Lives Matter movement? They have named the movement so that if you don't agree with it, meaning the movement, not the slogan the movement is using then you're inherently on defense as a racist, don't you see? That's the whole point. This is just like, I've told you before, this is like, it's a joke in the, in the show 
Parks and Recreation, but there's a, a end of days cult that calls themselves the reasonableists, even though every year they say the world is going to end and it never happens. But anybody who disagrees with the reasonableists seems unreasonable. Well, anybody who disagrees with Black Lives Matter, the movement is inherently going to be called a racist, going to be called somebody who, are you saying you don't agree Black Lives Matter? Of course I'm not saying that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. But who are the people carrying this message? I mean, I see Tucker doing amazing work on Fox News. Who else out there is really fired up about this? You know, a lot of conservatives that will ne- that are in the media that will never have to work another day in their lives. They're set. Their families are set. Their children's children are set. They talk a big game, but they really want to make sure they keep their platform and their and their prominence and that they're kind of acceptable in polite society. There are a lot of them, a lot of them, a lot of cowardice out there. A lot of people who tell you that the money and the fame doesn't matter. They're just in it for the movement. Really? Where are they right now? Are they taking it to the enemy or are they just saying the bare minimum they need to say so that their audience is nodding in a sense? Yeah, yeah, okay. That's, you know, yeah, yeah, we don't, yeah, sure, we support our cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got to go on offense. This is insane. They're pulling down statues all across the country. They're beating people in the streets. They're looting stores. They're setting buildings on fire. They're lying about this, this plague of murdering racist cops that they say exist that does not exist. The media is complicit in all this. They are the heart of evil in this country. The mainstream media is, in fact, the heart of evil in America today. They are spewing hate and viciousness and division for profit and for ideological reasons. And I just I don't see the fire in the belly. I say we fight. We're losing our ability to fight with every day. The laws are going to be turned against us. Corporate America is being turned against us. Who will speak out? Do you do everything you can? Do you support the voices that you know are in this fight? If you're listening to the show, obviously, I think you're at least supporting one. But is there anybody else out there? See, I take a different approach than a lot of my conservative media colleagues, too. And any of you who know me know this is the way I do things. I want my team to win. I want team conservative to be winning hearts and minds. And yes, influence and power in government too to implement the policies that I believe in. But I want the team to win. I'm not running around the pool trying to dunk everybody else under all the time. A lot of people in conservative media are. I hope you can tell who they are because they're petty and they're frauds. People that have amassed tremendous amounts of wealth and influence who are always a little, always a little shy about the fight. You know, just want to kind of maintain where they are. Want to keep that big platform. Want to keep that show, whatever it is. <sighs> we lack urgency. And time is not on our side right now. We must get in the fight in every way that we can. For those of you who, you know, you, you feel like, what am I going to do? Okay, I mean, not, every, not everyone's going to be a frontline ideological warrior. I mean, I'm out there, you know, I'm getting the death threats and people saying horrible things to me all the time and, you know, members of the mainstream media making fun of my name constantly and all this stuff, you know, whatever. I signed up for this, right? I have my shield high. That's the whole point. But for those of you out there that know how to mobilize, how to organize, how to get people politically engaged, how to spread the truth, how to support voices that are doing that, we've all got to get in this. This is all hands on deck. 
the, the country that we are going to be left with if the left-wing apparatus seizes control in November is going to be a hellish, nightmarish dystopia, and not just in the cities, okay? Things are going to get a lot worse for a lot of people. Freedom is in real jeopardy. Freedom of religion, freedom of conscience, freedom of speech, freedom of press, all of these things are in real jeopardy right now. And it's not enough to just say, yeah, Trump owns the libs. It's not going to be owning them quite as much if he's not president anymore, folks. It's time to get in the fight. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Give me reaction to the Supreme Court decisions earlier today about uh, LGBT discrimination, saying that is protected under the Civil Rights Act. Well, they've ruled. Uh, I've read the decision, and some people were surprised, but uh, they've ruled, and we live with their decision. That's what it's all about. We live with the decision of the Supreme Court. Very powerful. A very powerful decision, actually. Uh, but uh, if they have so ruled. That's it. The president saying uh, a very powerful decision. Yeah, a very powerful, very bad decision for freedom. And let me say, I'm not talking about the anti-discrimination components against uh, people who are gay, who have been fired from their jobs. I-, I think that firing someone from their job, as I said to you, because they're gay is an odious and horrible thing to do. But the way that, first of all, the, the legality of this ru- of ruling, changing what sex means because you want it to mean something else, does violence to the law. And the implications for doing so, I mean, this is now, it's endless. The stuff that we're facing, you, you, if you had said 10 years ago that now somebody would be able to bring a lawsuit, anyone who wants to go into an all-female prison, just start with that. File a federal lawsuit. Say, you're, say you, you identify as female. Let the courts work that out. You're going to you're not you're going to have sex segregated bathrooms, prisons, sports. All this stuff is going to be just a mess in the courts. And it's just a very powerful ruling. Look, we ask a lot of President Trump. He's not able to carry this all on his own, folks. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm just going to say it. What are we doing right now? What is President Trump doing? Signing an executive order on policing to build trust in law enforcement. What does that even mean? Someone explain. Why isn't he signing an executive order that the federal government will assist police departments as needed across the country in order to restore law and order? Why isn't he signing an executive order in solidarity with police departments who do an amazing job in this country and the numbers show are incredibly respectful and professional and decent and courageous? That's who our law enforcement is. You you know, just think about it this way. You know how many veterans there are wearing cop uniforms right now across the country? Tens of thousands, maybe even up, up into the six figures. Are, are they all bad people? You know, at, at least veterans still, for the most part, Democrats have to pretend as a party to respect. I mean, that's the good, but not not police. Oh, no. Just just like when they turned on the uh, members of Immigrations and Customs Enforcement and Border Patrol, you know, abolish ICE, abolish Border Patrol. Say Border Patrol 
is 30 percent minority and has a huge percentage. I think it might even be more like 40 percent veterans. A lot of Border Patrol guys are veterans. They're all bad people now that they're doing a job upholding federal law. What is this executive order supposed to do? This is what the White House put out. Look, I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm trying to I want to help the White House. I want to help Trump get reelected. But, you know, the same way that, you know, I love my family members so much that I won't I won't let them make a bad decision without raising my voice to what's going on. If I think it needs to be done, I, I, I'm so, whoever's advising. And I think I have some ideas. Whoever's advising Trump right now on this law enforcement issue is doing a terrible job, horrible job have no idea what's going on in this country, are delusional, think that maybe if we pass First Step Act 2 or 3 or 5, this is going to go away. It has none of this has anything to do with good faith concerns about police procedure. That's a, that's a, com- a conversation we could have at any time. You think they're looting stores and burning down buildings because... They don't have access to full transparency on a on arrest databases. What are you? I mean, what are you nuts? The White House put out a tweet today. Both public safety and public trust are crucial to the law enforcement mission. Today's executive order will uphold clear and high policing standards, promote accountability in law enforcement and help equip officers for constructive community engagement. What? Like what? How's that going to help? And now he's saying that we're going to we're going to go into the Seattle Autonomous Zone. No, we don't want to go into the Seattle. Autonomous. They're now calling it the Seattle, uh, the Capitol Hill Occupy protest because this is Occupy Wall Street all over again. As I've been telling you, this is the mobilization of the left. The George Floyd was the excuse for the left to mobilize in this way. Don't you see that was the opportunity they seized on? This is not the first time we have been through this. But now they've chosen, uh, you know, the last time around the Black Lives Matter movement got going based on a lie, which was that in Ferguson, Missouri, Mike Brown had his hands up and got shot, was executed in cold blood. That was a lie. And eventually the anti-cop hatred of the movement and the fact that it was built on a lie undermined it. It lost public support. It George Floyd, George Floyd, we have the video. He would, that, that cop knelt on his neck for almost nine minutes. Looks like murder. So now they have finally seized upon a, 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 an instance where clearly the moral high ground is held by those who are against the cop. Not against the cops, but against this one bad cop. So this, you know, they've learned from the mistake of the past, which was just to, oh, the men, no, actually, I wouldn't even say that. They probably thought that it was it served their purposes. They don't care that they were lying about hands up, don't you? They, they don't care about any of that. All that mattered was the mobilization. All that mattered was the political power. But now the president, keep, he keeps tweeting out law and order. And I, look, I know a lot of you and this probably it's not it's not good business to sit here and say the White House is wrong on this one. It's, it's not good. I know people don't want to hear that. You know, there are a lot of people. Oh, you know, just everything Trump does. It's all 8D chess. no. I'm not criticizing Trump. I'm not criticizing him out of anything other than support of the movement, than fealty to the ideology represented by this administration. You know, we've gone from this nightmare of COVID and all the lies around it and all the falsehoods 
and the way the left has just manipulated this and used this for their benefit and shut down the amazing, robust, prosperous economy. It did not need to happen. It was the wrong decision, but they finally got Trump to bend the knee, and now they're just, now they're just piling on. Never bend the knee. I mean, you could, I'm, I'm honestly frustrated today, and not just because I'm in New York and surrounded by lunatics who think that maybe shutting down again is a good idea. These people are completely and utterly out of their minds. We all agreed at the beginning, okay, we can't shut down again. We can't shut down too long. Even Dr. Fauci's like, look, eventually the shutdown with the mitigation efforts, the shutdown is, you know, that's its own problem. We don't want to have the shutdown be so bad that, you know, it's worse than... He's already said that. We already know this. And yet it's being talked about openly. And merely the suggestion that we could shut down the economy is changing investment, is changing businesses' decisions about reopening whole economic uh, sectors are shaky because who knows? All right. Is anyone ever going to be riding on airplanes again? By the way, I think the answer is most decidedly yes. Hopefully it'll be back to totally normal within if I'm guessing, 12 months. Airplanes. I think everything else can get more normal way before that, but that's what I think we're heading for. And we need optimism, but we also need fire in the belly. We need an understanding of what is at stake at this moment. Can you share core beliefs publicly? without fear in america right now the answer is no if you need an example of this or and and by the way when i say core beliefs that's true but also even just shared belief maybe maybe you just happen to be you know given something by a friend right i mean i can't tell you how many bands and different tv shows and such over the years have given me gear or paraphernalia to put on and and i'll just oh yeah i got a new i got a free t-shirt right Better be careful if you put on the wrong T-shirt, you can be in big trouble. Oklahoma football coach, Oklahoma State football coach Mike Gundy got into a whole bunch of trouble because on his uh, social media, he was out with a trip, just hanging out with some friends. I think they were, I don't know, fishing or something or out on the boat. And he had an O-A-N T-shirt on. (gasps) O-A-N. Oh, no. You mean a up-and-coming, conservative-leaning cable news channel? You're, you're not allowed to wear an OAN t-shirt. I mean, you might as well be wearing a Hitler is awesome t-shirt. This is how stupid the left is. This is how insane they are now. You can't even just wear a t-shirt that says One American News. You know, people work there. People's livelihoods depend on this business. Uh, and, and they're... You know, they're they're trying to have a product that reaches millions of Americans every day. And yet this was a problem for running back uh, Chubba Hubbard. And Chubba Hubbard, in response to this, seeing this photo, tweeted out, I will not stand for this. This is completely insensitive to everything going on in society, and it's unacceptable I will not be doing anything with Oklahoma State until things change. I'll start off first by saying I went about it the wrong way by tweeting, Hubbard said. 
I'm not someone that has to tweet something to make change. I should have went to him as a man, and I'm all about passion. So that was bad on my part. So that so from now on, we're going to focus on bringing change. Or look, I'm I mean, it's good that Chubba Hubbard realized that it's a it's look. Honor is something we don't teach in schools anymore. Honor is something that's not prized in society. And the left makes a mockery of honor. It's all about wokeness. Get him, drag him, ruin him, cancel him. They, they, they never seem to think that it's the more honorable thing to do. If you think someone has stepped out of line and you know that person, reach out to them. I have told you, and it, it, is, a, it is a principle that I adhere to, I do not trash friends of mine in media on this show. And that includes people with whom I uh, disagree with. That includes people that I think objectively could be called at this point, turncoats to the cause. But I will not. I will come to them privately, and I have. And I'll disagree with them privately. And I will tell them that, you know, I think that they're going, they're going off the rails, especially in the anti-Trump era. It's nuts. But I do not trash people who are my friends because I think that people should know that, that have a personal relationship with me, that I am first and foremost Buck Sexton. They can trust me. I'm an honest guy. I'm a good guy. And I don't hurt people that have relationships with me. I don't do that. I don't turn on them. I don't betray their trust. Honor matters. You know, we, if we had a more honorable society, we wouldn't have all these. Problems. And, you know, if we had greater trust, greater faith, greater sense that our fellow human beings shared core and foundational beliefs about how a society should be run. We'd be in much better shape than we are right now. That's that's all disappearing with every passing day. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to see that Mr. Hubbard here, the the running back, um, said that he should have gone to him personally, but he didn't. Let's remember that. He first called them out and created a huge ordeal over this. Um, and Oklahoma, remember, this is in Oklahoma. This isn't, this isn't the faculty lounge at Brown University or Oberlin or Reed College or one of these loony bins out there. This is Oklahoma State. Uh, it's it's stunning. I mean, maybe he wore a One America News T-shirt. I, first, first of all, I don't even know. No one even stops to think. Does the guy even does he even uh, support him? Or may, maybe someone just gave him this T-shirt and it was a clean T-shirt he had to wear. Like that could happen. But put that aside for a moment. It's now beyond the pale to wear a One America News T-shirt. I ask you this question: How long before someone gets canceled? In, in sports, in Hollywood, and when he's openly canceled because they have a Fox News t-shirt on or a Fox News hat on. This is a multi-billion dollar a year venture that is right-leaning, but it's certainly not universally conservative. Just watch some of the programming these days. And turn that on, and, and, and you, you'd ask yourself, well, how is that possible? Oh, no, it is possible. In fact, remember this. The cancellations that you see occurring are the ones that happen in public. In many ways, the more pernicious, the more damaging cancellations in this culture are happening behind closed doors. Don't give that person that job. I hear he likes Tucker Carlson's show. Don't, get, don't invest in that person's company. I, I hear that he listens to conservative talk radio. This happens all the time. And it's going to continue to happen and get worse and worse until people on the right stand up, refuse to bend the knee and band together 
and start helping each other so that we have voices and platforms and sponsors and an ecosystem that goes beyond the crumbs that the left allows us to have so there can be a pretense of real media opposition. We are outgunned in the platform wars, my friends. And if we lose Trump as president, guess what? The media is going to be able to run roughshod over the opposition all over again. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. And here's an example of the, the, the cancel culture attitude and also people who have betrayed whatever ideals they say they once stood for professionally. Um, Rick, Rick Wilson, I don't even understand what he thinks he's accomplishing with this, but he uh, tweeted out last night to Domino's Pizza, which I will say I definitely was a customer when I was in college uh, before I knew I couldn't have gluten. I used to eat Domino's Pizza fairly regularly. Uh, I can't say that I'm particularly a fan of the quality of the pizza now, but can't eat it now, really. So there's that. Uh, but Domino's Pizza responded to a kind word by Kaylee McEnany, the White House press secretary, with, that's one heck of a compliment. Thanks for the love. This was back in 2012. I don't even know. what I think she just said that she liked the pizza or something. Rick Wilson, Republican consultant. That's always always Republican consultant is part of the Lincoln Project, which is effectively might as well be, you know, the the direct action arm of the Democrat Party right now. They're so Republican. They're so conservative that Planned Parenthood loves them. Right. I mean, that's what we're that's what we're dealing with now with these never Trumpers. Never Trumpers are now Democrats. Because there was, there was no space left for them. They thought that maybe the conservative movement would come back to their side. And then when they realized, oh, no, this is not a good business proposition, they found the Lincoln Project. And, you know, they'll get you on MSNBC. You get to be a little, a little conservative who's, or a Republican who's patted on the head at CNN and MSNBC. I have told people, I have convinced conservatives, multiple conservatives that you know, to leave CNN. I cannot tell you who they are, but you would know who they are. I've convinced them. I've said, get out of there. And they have all thanked me for it. I practice what I preach. But Rick Wilson responded last night, you just killed your brand. And that's just insane. Kaylee said she likes Domino's. Domino's says, thank you for the compliment. Rick Wilson thinks that that's brand killing. Like Kaylee McEnany, who's a lovely person, who's doing a phenomenal job as White House press secretary, she can't like pizza? That's not allowed? Domino's Pizza, to its credit, came back on Twitter and said, well, it's unfortunate that thanking a customer for a compliment back in 2012 would be viewed as political. Guess that's 2020 for you. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's also psychotic. My friends, just because you're not involved in political media or somebody who's necessarily a public figure, although I know a lot of you listen to this work on Capitol Hill and work in state GOP offices, etc. But they'll come for anybody. It doesn't matter who you are. This is a fight for our culture. This is a fight for the soul of this country. Understand that and understand it now. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The poll's out right now on happiness, on the happiness of the American people are unsurprising when you think about it we are going through a very 
tough year. Certainly the worst year we've seen since the uh, Great Recession of 2008 and 2009. And it uh, doesn't seem that it's going to end anytime soon either. So everyone is really on edge right now. And I just wanted to take a step back because, you know, philosophically, shouldn't we be or, or we're gonna put aside the philosophical argument for a second? If you look at where we are from a, from a pure prosperity uh, perspective, that was quite an alliteration. Sorry about that. But if you look at where we are now with the amount of goods and services that we have, and we've all seen this now, we, we've run a big experiment that is in some ways a repudiation or at least a, a step back from all the glories of the modern age that we're in. Uh, we have now been told in recent months, we've been forced to abandon some things that you could consider much more old school and embrace technology and embrace all these different conveniences and entertainments that are out there. And yet people feel hollow, right? For a lot of Americans, you would think, and now I'm, I'm going to separate out from this discussion, people who have lost their jobs, including people that I know very well and are very good friends of mine. It's brutal. They've lost their jobs. People who have lost loved ones to COVID-19. And they have suffered very direct losses from this. And it's quite understandable. It would be expected that they would have damage to their mindset and that their psychology overall would be um, would be in a negative place. But I'm talking about for the for the other people in America and in our society who have been able to stay home, work remotely. You know, we, the food supply hasn't really been disrupted, at least not yet. So you've really been told stay home, do your job, watch TV and play video games all day. Zoom with everybody, talk on you know the phone, be on social media, and and you know eat all the ice cream you want. Although you know some of us, myself included, are paying the price for that right now. I mean, sweatpants have are, are not a fashion statement; they've unfortunately become something of a necessity, right? Until I can start fitting into wool trousers again for uh, suits, you know that. Uh, that's going to be a that's going to be a challenge because without access to a gym and with lots of ice cream around, as we know, things have gotten a little bit uh, snug in the clothing department. But all these things that we do now, all of these different methods, I mean, I, I'm very lucky in that my job forces me to communicate with actual human beings every day all across the country. And I have back and forth with all of you. And that has been a big part of my psychological salvation here in New York in particular, when things were really tough during all of this, uh, that has been a big part of keeping me on an, on an even keel and positive and, and being able to push forward and do some of the better shows. I think we've done it a long time. have been during this, this pandemic, but for a lot of people, there's a sense of lack of purpose. There's a sense of isolation and I don't mean enough. I mean, millions, perhaps tens of millions of Americans. And that's going on at a time when you are able to connect effortlessly and really all, basically for free to people anywhere in the world. You know, we have all we've got all these dating apps. We've got all these social media platforms, the Zoom and Skype and all these things. And it's just not the same, is it? It's not the same as 
going to your local church or synagogue or mosque or Quaker meeting house or whatever, right? It's not the same as being with people in your community, as seeing loved ones, as being with friends. We are social creatures. And yes, it's a helpful tool to be able to reach people with these different technologies, but we also really crave human contact. And we want purpose in our day-to-day lives. And when you are so separated from the human beings around you with these, and, and all of this, I mean, I think the face mask is a separation. I think the face mask, in a sense, almost starts to feel dehumanizing. I have to wear this stupid thing all over the place. People can't see my face because we're all so worried about COVID. Really? Unless you're a protester, then you don't have to worry about these things. Then it's all fine. Or at least the media will excuse the protests uh, inability to social distance. But really, I think we've we've gotten a reminder that people need to wake up every day and feel connection to their spiritual community. They need to wake up every day and feel a a physical bond with those around them. You know, one of the yes, for a lot of folks going into an office is a hassle. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I don't like going into an office. I'm not somebody that's ever enjoyed that. But I do talk to other people who feel isolated from their peers. They like that teamwork atmosphere. They like being around other human beings. There's a sense of camaraderie, of comfort, of closeness that has been taken from us in a way that none of us were psychologically prepared for. And then on top of it, you have the, and the magnification of many of the worst elements in society, the magnification of of hatred and division and racial strife and and Marxist class warfare and all these things. This is what's being beamed into our homes all the time. And I think we start to forget, you know, I, I was someone who for a while, because I was doing two radio shows, was on the subway in New York four times a day. And while the subway has received a lot of uh, criticism because of its possibility as a as a vector for the spread of of covid and understandably that's a major concern to people you know there is a solidarity with getting on that high speed metal tube every day and just being jammed in there with all these other people and we look at each other and at least in in new york i can tell you we're all like yeah you're here too i'm here we're all here man we're all just we're all just trying to get it done so we can pay the bills and get back to our families and that's been removed a lot of these things in different parts, and for, for some of you who live in, in the suburbs or in rural areas, you know, yeah, maybe you've been able to go to the grocery store, but any other activities you do where you come into close contact with other people, those have been limited. You're not seeing your neighbor, your buddy, you know, the guy that you come across at the Home Depot or at the tractor supply or, you know, wherever it is that you like to go, you know, the sporting goods store, if you want to go you know, pick up some new golf clubs. I mean, you're just not dealing with other human beings. And I think that what you have has been a really noxious brew of separating us in a, in a, in a negative, in an anxiety field. It's not like we've all been sent to a tropical paradise for a couple of months to regroup, right? We're all in our homes, all this stress, what's going to happen to our industry, what's going to happen to our business, and we're not with people. And then you have these forces of division out there that are trying to terrify you for their own control, that are trying to frighten you into submission constantly for their own political or economic 
benefit or ideological purposes. And you have this, uh, the, all these forces working together. So I'm not surprised at all that Americans are in a tough spot right now, uh, psychologically. Even though we're going to be okay, there's not a, there are not enough people saying that right now. You've noticed. All the, we're in this together from the early days of COVID, now it's defund police or you're a racist. Wait, what? I thought we were kind of all supposed to be, and, and again, I always thought the we're all in this together stuff was a little thin. Uh, yeah, sure we are. I mean, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of celebrities from Malibu and news anchors at their Hamptons homes were, you know, please stay home and do the responsible thing while I walk around my 6,000 square foot estate and go for a stroll on the beach that's private, right? Yeah, pretty easy for them to say. And the hypocrisy over the COVID stuff now, I, I'm not going to let it go because it's enraging and it's wrong, but it's so clear now that the left doesn't, they don't even try to hide this anymore. They go, yeah, that's right. We're going to tell you what you can protest and what you can't. You know, can't go to a funeral for your loved one, but 5,000 people can gather together to protest black trans rights. Uh, so we are entering a period of, of real collective national psychological duress, which I think is completely infused into these protests and this sense of uh, a lot of cowardice from people that they don't want to speak for the truth and for rationality and for reason because they're unsettled. You know, there's a real domino effect here, and we haven't worked through this. Instead of being allowed to connect with each other again in real ways, not just to connect with, oh, yeah, I'm like Facebook messaging or whatever. I mean, that stuff is fine. That, that has a place. But instead of being out in our communities, going to restaurants, seeing each other again and being around each other as people, the the left-wing elites are dividing us, are using technology to blast images and video and audio into our homes that are, that are hurtful, that are damaging, and that aren't allowing for what really needs to be a mass psychological repair that we should be going through. And the summer is the perfect time for it. Right? We should be, everyone needs to be getting out, getting more sunshine, being around more people. You know, it's a lot harder to hate Republicans if you actually are seeing your Republican neighbor out at your favorite cafe or restaurant or whatever in your favorite burger joint and you, you exchange pleasantries and you get to have that that exhalation of, man, finally, we're out of this out of this nightmare, aren't we? But no, the left won't allow that. Even if they start to open up, they want you to know they may shut it down again. And if they shut it down again, it might be because of Trump and those evil Republicans who are having their rallies. They are going to the mat they are taking this moment of continued crisis and weaponizing it and they don't care how damaging it is they don't care what it does to the country what it does to the american people so yes the fact that 14 percent of american adults say they're very happy down from 31 percent two years ago is unsurprising to me but we should understand why it's happening and it's not just because we've gone through a rough patch that in some ways was unavoidable, that rough patch has been made worse and people are exploiting it. They are exploiting fear and division and anxiety for their own reasons instead of trying to bring us all together and honestly tell everybody to chill. The problem we have now is if you're telling people to chill and everything's going to be okay, you're a racist. Why aren't you marching with Black Lives Matter? Whoa. Can't we, can't we all come together, uh, people of, of all colors and creeds and and, and or national origins, can we all come together and just be people for a while? Because we haven't been allowed to be people for months. No, 
No, that would be too decent. That would be too humane. Let's all fight right away, right now. Anything to defeat Trump and make Joe Biden president. That's what we're going through. And this is why people are depressed. Not here, though. Not here. We are happy warriors, friends. We are happy warriors. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Effective immediately, we will be transitioning those units, roughly 600 people citywide, into a variety of assignments, including Detective Bureau, Neighborhood Policing, and other assignments. Why? This is 21st century policing. Intelligence, data, shot spotter, video, DNA, and building prosecutable cases. This is the police commissioner of the largest police department in the United States telling you that they are disbanding the 600-person plainclothes anti-crime unit. This, this is uh, bending the knee and then lying down on the ground, prostrate, and begging for forgiveness from the BLM protest mob. That's what this is. This will not make people more safe, certainly in New York, but anywhere else, because you know what's happening? The cities are going to have a domino effect here. This is coming to a place near you. How many police commissioners, how many, how many uh, local sheriffs do you think want to risk the ire of this movement? The possibility of being sued, of being called a racist. There are very, very few places that you can point to where law enforcement will be willing to stand up to this mob. Now, I know New York is very blue. The politics here are very clear in that regard. But I'm telling you that this is going to spread elsewhere. The same way that I have been telling you it's the, what's happening in Seattle is the Occupy movement reborn. Just like Black Lives Matter has been reborn, this is the left mobilizing. This is Alinsky. It's get people on the streets, make noise, threaten people, shout, scream, get your way. What's happening here in New York is going to happen elsewhere. They are going, they are going to disband units that make people safer because the activist class, not the people that live in the neighborhoods, oh, no, 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 no. The activist class is going to come together and say, having plainclothes detectives puts us in fear, you see. This is the way the left argues about everything now. Oh, we're scared. Oh, we're, it makes us feel unsafe. How do you argue with that? Oh, if it makes you feel unsafe, I, I got to do whatever I got to do. Right, of course. This is the way that they argue about everything. If it makes you feel unsafe, well, then, of course, I can't, I can't overcome that, can I? It's about yours. It's about this is a, a, an extension of, you know, speech equals violence. Silence equals violence and speech equals violence. And speech they don't like equals violence. So you know what your option is? Bend the knee, say what they tell you to. That's your only option. There is no other option. You're not even allowed to. You're not even allowed to stand on the sidelines. And this is also one of the reasons I am. And I'll have to return to this. I'm so upset about this ruling from the Supreme Court that Gorsuch wrote. And I'll never be able to trust Gorsuch again. Gorsuch did this not because he really believes that the text of the 1964 Civil Rights Act uh, Article 7, that, that the text actually says that people who are transgender should be 
that, that that being transgender was covered under that. Right. That that's what sex meant. Then he doesn't he knows that he but but the bigger issue here is that they in classic totalitarian fashion go back and look at what they did in the Soviet Union. This was central. It's not just about getting you to suppress ideas uh, or suppress ideas that you believe to be true. It's having you celebrate ideas that you know to be false. And now you'll have no choice because I tell you, be, be, be smart about this. This is what I always tell college students. Don't, you know, don't run off in, in class and show what a conservative you are. And you're just going to get a bad grade, get, a, you know, hurt your chances of getting into the grad school or the college you want to go to or whatever. And you know, then the left is going to say, eh, hey, you didn't go to a fancy school the rest of your life. Why? Tell the lib Marxist commie professor what he needs to hear to get the grade you need to get. All right. Engage in a little taqiyya, if you will. This is the Islamic word for deceit for the purposes of advancing the faith. Right. You know, we got to be smart here. You don't want to don't don't charge the machine gun nests when you don't have the forces to take it. So we're all going to have to understand right now that you are going to be forced by law in this country, because we are about rule of law, you're going to be forced to say things are true that are not true, like men and women sports. There should be no difference. And, and a man who claims to be a woman isn't at genetic advantage in, in sporting events. Now, you're not, you're not going to be allowed. To, it's going to be discriminatory. You'll get fired from your job if you work at ESPN. Well, ESPN is already, you know, woke dot com. But if, if you are in any way involved in an institution where they're making that decision, get fired. It's going to get worse, folks. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. It has been a rough period for President Trump and military leaders with his former defense secretary, retired Marine General James Mattis, assailing him for dividing the country. A sentiment given an amen by Trump's former chief of staff, retired Marine General John Kelly, not to mention criticisms from General Colin Powell, Admiral Bill McRaven, General Martin Dempsey, General John Allen, Admiral Mike Mullen. President and his supporters have had plenty of nasty things to say about these men who have served our country, of course. No need for me to report them. You all have access to Twitter. There is one group of generals, however, that the president is standing firm with. Dead, racist losers. More specifically, the Confederate commanders, after whom 10 army bases are currently named. Days ago, the Pentagon said that they wanted to begin a bipartisan conversation about renaming these 10 bases, but the president shut that down. Uh, Jay Tapper is really being brave here because he's an objective journalist. Remember that. He's, he's objective. He's, um, he just tells it like it is. He's not actually pushing a political agenda. Thanks, Jake. Uh, okay. Let's, let's do this, shall we? Let, let's talk about the statue toppling that's going on. First of all, notice how CNN, they're talking about the Confederate generals. Are they talking about Christopher Columbus? I just want to know. Are there any, any, any word about that? No, no, you're not going to talk about Columbus. I'm going to just uh, make sure that everybody at the fancy cocktail set at CNN thinks that I'm so brave and, and objective. So let's discuss about these statues a bit, shall we? Uh, first off, I, I want to know what CNN thinks about the incident that happened. Well, of course, they're going to focus in and say that anybody who shows up who's opposed to the statue toppling anarchists must be a white nationalist. That's the first thing that will be said. Do I do we know? I don't know. Are, are they white nationalists who showed up here? At the, they're calling them a, a, a white militia. 
Uh, are they white? Again, I don't know, but I don't think they're going to try to find out. The first thing they want to do is say that anyone who shows up anywhere are the people that were showing up in Michigan. We were told they're all at the anti-lockdown protesters. They were a white militia, white nationalists. Are, are they that? Oh, there were Nazi flags. We were told, no, no, I looked everywhere. There was one Nazi symbol that a woman held up saying that Whitmer was being a Nazi. That's not neo-Nazi sympathy, idiots. So, again, I'm not in New Mexico. I'm only able to go on what is being reported. I don't know if the people who showed up are members of a white nationalist militia or anything else. But let's and, and if I do find out, I will let you know. All I know right now is there are people that don't think that there should be mobs pulling down statues and that they are legally carrying firearms. And I've been consistent on this in Seattle. I've been I've been asking people, are they are the Seattle, you know, uh, autonomous zone leftists? Are they carrying firearms legally? And as far as we understand in Washington state, they are. So, okay, they're carrying firearms legally. You know, I'm not calling for them to be disarmed and thrown in prison if they're carrying guns legally. I just say, all right, I think it's illegal to tell cops they can't come into a zone and you've created your own country, obviously. But see, consistency is the is the is the necessity uh, is the necessary component of, of principle. Right. You can't have principles unless you're consistent. Otherwise, you're just making up the principles as you go along. So I, I don't know. I'm just I'm seeing more and more of this uh, of reporting on what happened down in New Mexico. But he, here's what we know so far. OK, there was a um, there was an incident where you had people uh, trying to pull down a statue of a conquistador. Okay, and the conquistador is one that I think very few people know much about, Juan de Oñate. And I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, This guy was the first Spanish governor of New Mexico. No, notice, remember, CNN's all, ah, standing, standing with losers, but I'm not an p- opinion guy. I'm just a factual journalist, tapper. Yeah, right. Uh, look, yeah, the Confederacy was bad. The Confederacy lost. The Confederacy got slaughtered, okay? There are a lot of, so, so we all understand that the good guys won, but now the question is, should mobs be allowed to pull down statues at will? If if a town decides, if a town votes, if the people of a town say, we, you know, we don't want this Confederate statue up anymore. Fine. You know, it, it should be it should be left to the people who live in the place. And if people want to move statues into a museum instead of having them in a place of, of honor in a public square, I leave it to that area. I'm from the north. I have, you know, n- no affinity whatsoever for any of these statues in the south that are getting pulled down in fact some of them i think yeah makes makes sense you don't want i wouldn't want that up either but i don't think you should cave to a mob doing it because then what you have are people taking it upon themselves here's another another version of this think about vigilante justice okay vigilante justice is you think that a someone did a bad thing and you're going to attack that person right well if if i were to see somebody break into a store Right. And then 15 minutes later, I said, oh, there's the guy who broke into that store. I'm going to go hit him with a bat, you know, because he's a criminal broke into the store. You know, he was looting. If I wait 15 minutes and I decide to take it upon myself to exercise justice, I'm a vigilante. I'm, in fact, in violation of the law myself. 
Your cause may be righteous, but your means still matter. The left has abandoned this. They've abandoned this. They don't care. It's the mob. It's what we want. And of course, their cause on many issues is not righteous. But I understand the sensitivity that exists in uh, Confederate monuments. I also think that there's been a decontextualizing of history where to, to try to bring the country back together after the war, there was a sense of, okay, these guys were on the wrong side of the cause. But at the time, there was a sense that to bring the country back together, we should honor the sacrifice of those who fought for what they believed uh, you know, was their state or was their. Now, you can reject that argument entirely and say that's completely wrong. But I'm just saying that is never even brought up anymore. That's never even discussed. And again, I, I think that and this is a there is a lot of layers. Here. There's a lot of complexity, not the way the media talks about it. Uh, I understand why, you know, the Confederacy is something that is still very sensitive for a lot of people, uh, because I think the Confederacy was fighting for slavery and therefore was fighting for the bad guys. All right. I mean, you know, this is we, we got to remember, you know, facts are facts. But how do we now deal with that? How do we deal with the fact that this was an entity that was a secessionist movement that was supporting the great original moral sin of the American project? What do we do with that? How do we process that now? That's a conversation that's absolutely worth having and should continue to go on. And places can make their decisions about statues. And, you know, yeah, understandably, we shouldn't be naming new schools after the, the leader of the Confederacy. Right. That that would be a slap in the face. What do we do with the statues that already exist in different places? Are they about history or are they uh, symbols of oppression? Now, this is about the Confederacy, you'll note. And this is one area where, again, I, I have sympathy for and understanding for people that say, look, I, I don't and I'm a northerner and you know, I didn't grow up in some of these towns. And I, I, I understand that I'm here. I'm from here in New York City. But I'll just note that there are places even in New York that if you go back in history, they're named for very, very terrible people that were uh, trust me, were not woke at all. But that's the problem. When does this all stop? When is it enough? And what do you do with the founding fathers, especially the founding fathers who own slaves, if you're going to be erasing, you know, erasing from history people that have played a very large role in our history? How, how do you deal with this? How do you um, how do you move forward? But I would note that for me right now, one principle that I could stand behind and, and I think is very clear, you don't allow people to this is vandalism. It's public property. Right. This is the work of an artist or a sculptor or whomever. And it is the property of the public. And perhaps it should only be in a museum. Perhaps it shouldn't be in a place of honor. But to destroy it is to take, in essence, the power of a vigilante into your hands against a symbol. And, you know, I think that that's we have to draw a line here because as we see, okay, you're going to give them, you're going to give people the right to just go and, you know, lop the head off of a statue of Robert E. Lee somewhere. What about a statue of Christopher Columbus? What about a statue of Juan de Añote of New Mexico? Look, he had, uh, he, you know, had a massacre back in 1599. So this is, we're going way, we're going back hundreds and hundreds of years here. A massacre back in 1599, and uh, that was in response to 13 Spaniards, including his own nephew, Juan de Saldivar. I had to look all this. Oh, look, I'm going to be honest with you. There's, there's some periods of history I know super well. I did not 
uh, I did not, I was not able to know the, off the top of my head, the history of Juan de Oñote. Uh, there are other conquistadors I know very well, Cortez, you know, some of the more well-known ones. Uh, but Juan de Oñote was a rough guy, obviously. He was fighting against the native population, the Acomas, and he massacred, they estimate, up to a thousand of them. So now they want to pull down his statue. All right. Was, how many people walked past the Juan de Añote statue and even knew what the heck it was in New Mexico? Start with that. I think the answer is very, very low. But beyond that, um, you know, any military conqueror, depending on, you know, which side of this equation you're on, you're going to say, well, that was a brutal massacre. That was horrible. You know, can you have a statue of Napoleon up somewhere? Guy was an autocrat, sent countless numbers of people to their death. Uh, you know, what, what statues are going to be allowable? Are, are, are we only going to have statues of those who were symbols of, of oppressed peoples? Is, is that all that's allowed? I, I just, I'm curious, because I really don't know what the standard is. So the vandalism, I think, is wrong. You're, you're outraged at something, because, okay, well, I, I'm outraged by a lot of things. Am I able to go and, and destroy a statue that I don't like? Am I able to say that I think this is a symbol of, you know, American paganism and I don't want this in the public square anymore and just take a, take a sledgehammer to it? No, of course, people would arrest me. They'd think, oh, no, you can't do that. And then that brings me back to the incident here with Juan de Añate. So they're, they gather together. Members of Antifa, from what I have read, were there. Anarchists are there, and they're trying to use a chain and destroy this uh, destroy this statue and counter protesters showed up i've read that they're a militia i don't know if they're an official militia or they're just guys that gather together again you have to be very careful the news reporting here because it's not clear but the um here we go the new mexico governor condemns vigilantes who may have instigated violence this is what this is the way cnn is is reporting on this so i want to go to the cnn version because we'll understand what the official left-wing narrative already is and the new mexico governor who i'm I'm going to assume is a democrat uh is is condemning this and there's video uh here we go vigilantes may have started the violence that led to a shooting in new mexico authorities said may have you'll notice no i saw the video now this is what you see in the video and i can't play it for you because there's curses and it's you know just it's too much of a mess um but this was in the city's old town because it was a, they call it a protest calling for the removal of a Spanish conquistador statue. Uh, it was not a protest calling for the removal. They were removing the statue. They were actively engaged in destroying it, okay? So to call it a protest calling for the removal is a very different thing than what actually was happening because it's on video. I've seen that. I mean, the video I think we can trust to some degree. And... Heavily armed individuals flaunted themselves the protest, calling themselves a civil guard. Okay, is that... I, I don't see anything. They, they, there's absolutely no space in New Mexico for any violent would-be militia seeking to terrorize New Mexicans. Um, are they just law-abiding civilians who are carrying weapons and who don't... Well, I, I, I don't know. I'm being very careful because these days, oh, 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 you get on the wrong side. Even if you're just on the wrong side of the facts in good faith, you can get in all kinds of trouble. Um, but I saw the video and here's what I saw on the video. The, the bunch of Antifa lunatics are start attacking a guy who's by, who seems to be on his own and they swing a, looks like a, they hit him with a skateboard and they're engaged in violence. 
and he tries to run away and has a firearm on him and people run at him and try to attack him. If you physically assault somebody that you know has a gun on them and that person shoots you, it is called self-defense. If I have a gun and someone strikes me with a skateboard in the head and I happen to have a gun and then I draw that weapon to defend myself and the skateboard wielder and his mob comes at me and I shoot one of them, that is called self-defense. Okay, the, the left seems to think that you can only fire a gun if someone else has a gun and they're about to shoot you. No, you don't have to wait until the person knocks you out with the skateboard or the mob kicks you to death on the ground. It's not how self-defense works. I know the left doesn't like this. They're, they're going to start finding out if they keep doing these riots and looting that there are armed people out there who will not allow, it doesn't matter how woke we're supposed to be, will not allow themselves to be bludgeoned to death by the mob. This, this is going to come up. This is going to happen. So from what I'm seeing so far, and I will still, um, I, I will update this as we find out more, but from what I'm seeing in the video that's circulating, this was someone who was defending himself. Is he a bad person? Doesn't matter. Is he a jerk? Do you like his politics? Is he part of a bad or it doesn't matter. Every human being has the right to self-defense. So unless I see something that changes from what, what's presented in these videos, and the guy who got shot didn't die, he's in stable condition in the hospital. You attack somebody who's got a gun, you're going to get shot. This is true of whether you're talking about cops or just normal people. What, what, what has to get through? Well, the left has lost its mind. That's why a rational argument doesn't, doesn't change anything for them. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. These people have taken over a vast part, a major part, a very good part of a place called Seattle. Seattle's big stuff. That's a major city. And we have a governor who's a stiff and we have a, a mayor who said, oh, this is going to be a love fest. And by the way, these are violent people that took it over. These are not people that are nice people. I saw her on your network today, John. I saw what went on with the hitting and the punching and the beating and all the other things going on in Seattle. And you have a governor that doesn't do a damn thing about it. And you have a mayor that doesn't know she's alive. She's talking about it's going to be a love fest this summer. Now, if they don't do the job, I'll do the job. And I've already spoken to the attorney general about it. But if they don't do the job, we will do the job. I don't know. I don't know what the president thinks that's going to mean, but I really hope he's not. Uh getting distracted here with with bluster i don't think seattle is trump's problem i think it's good that he raises it for all of us to understand what's going on there but federal you're going to call in the federal government there no no especially in the same day when he's signing an executive order that i don't think is a good move i'm i'm concerned whoever's giving the president law enforcement advice these days uh is not doing a good job Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Folks, the Black Lives Matter movement has support not just here in the U.S., but over in Europe. And you've also seen the defacing of statues, including Winston Churchill statues in London. We want to talk to our friend Raheem Kassam, co-host of the War Room podcast, which you can all check out. He joins us now to talk about that and much more. Raheem, my friend, great to have you on. Thanks for having me, Bob. So I just want to start with something, because at the beginning of the show, 
I, I felt like I had to tell the audience what I think is really going on right now, which is that um, the Trump movement right now, I think, is losing. I think the momentum is against it. And I think that the president doesn't seem to have uh, good advice, particularly on this law enforcement issue. What do you think about where Trump and, and his supporters, or rather Trump and his movement is right now? Look, I mean, I'll get into what I think in just a second, but I want the audience to understand that while uh, I understand a lot of people out there will be, you know, satisfied with the president's performance over the course of the last four years, we're reaching a, a critical point here now where there is a major disconnect between what President Trump is is uh, sort of gesticulating about to the wider audience and what he's actually doing. And that and that distinction, that, that wedge is occurring because he is being pulled in two different directions uh, by two different and could be up to 10 different, as far as I'm concerned, sets of advisors who think that they have the, the uh, magic wand they can wave ahead of the upcoming election. And one of those groups of advisors is uh, more mainstream, establishment, Republican, maybe even moderate Democrat in its demeanor. Um, others will be uh, more socially conservative driven. Others will be more driven towards what the president's agenda was supposed to be from the outset, you know, delivering on MAGA, running on promises made, promises kept. So what we're seeing playing out here in Washington, D.C. right now is a power struggle um, into the summer, which will take us into the election. And I'm afraid as it stands, at the moment, it looks like the critical components of what MAGA meant to so many people that voted for President Trump out there, building the wall, uh, ending foreign wars, tackling China head on and bringing jobs home, uh, all of these things have appeared to take a backseat. I'm not saying they're not being dealt with at all. I'm saying they appear to have taken a backseat to things that MAGA voices uh, didn't really go for, which was the criminal justice reform, the new executive order on policing. And you might say that President Trump's been overtaken by events, but you know, leaders should be leading. Um, and, and at the moment, it looks like he is being led by some of these backroom advisors who, who I don't think have his entire best interest at heart. They might be very well motivated, and well-meaning, but I don't think they know how to win an election. Now, luckily, we have Joe Biden as the opposite candidate. Imagine if we had somebody competent. But I'm not sure we should just rest on our laurels because bumbling Biden is the choice. I think that they would vote for a rusty Pepsi can if it meant that Trump wasn't president. So, I mean, I, I agree that Biden is, is super weak, but it, it almost is irrelevant because it's just the non it's a non-Trump movement. Right. And anything and everyone knows that with Biden, you'd get all the same people. People that you would have gotten with Hillary in positions of power. You're going to have, you know, the woke left is ascendant. They're going to dictate a lot of what his cabinet choices would be and and what happens in the administrative and bureaucratic agencies. So uh, huge concerns there. Um, This this executive order on policing. Everyone I know who who really understands law enforcement, who's done law enforcement, is seeing this and just saying, What is this supposed to why does Trump think that he gains with this? I mean, to your point about the advisors around him, and I have some thoughts on where this is coming from. This this does nothing for him right now. This does not. And it does nothing for the country. It's not like he's taking an unpopular stand with his party that will save lives or that are showing leadership. This to me seems like trying to placate the mob a little bit. And I don't see any upside to it, Raheem. Yeah, there are two ways to look at this. One is the idea 
that President Trump sort of allows the the Chaz or the Chop or Antifa Stan or whatever you want to call it uh, to fester and flourish over the course of you know what Mayor Durkin called the summer of love there in Washington and allow people to go into the election seeing what Democrat cities are like and what a Democrat country might look like. The other part of that uh, uh, you know ca- calculation is that actually you know no he owns this. This is happening under his watch. You have a pandemic that is now set to take the lives of over 150,000 Americans before the election, uh, and he owns this. Now, I'm not being, I'm not going to be, you know, so arrogant as to presume that I have the the magic wand in all of this. I will allow that mentality to come from Jared Kushner or whoever else is offering uh, the president all this sorts of advice. Um, but what what I am doing here is trying to analyze the situation and trying to make sense of what the president himself might be thinking, and then where the ideas externally might be coming from. And right now it does look like the president is is as you say you know bowing to the mob a little bit um in, in order you know in not yet and there wasn't really anything of great substance in this executive order by the way a little bit here a little bit there and digging into police and, and i'm sure you have people who have worked in the police forces who know more about this than i do but just sort of a little chip away here and there for what are these people ever going to vote for president trump do you think anybody who's marching down pennsylvania avenue with the black lives matter placard is going to end up voting for president trump i think that's a nonsense i think tweeting law and order out to placate the base is going to reach a point of exhaustion for him and i think he he has to figure something very quickly out because remember we were promised an Antifa designation as a terrorist group. Then we had Ken Cuccinelli coming out and saying, oh, it's not an international organization at all. Wrong. I mean, I mean, ignorantly wrong. And, and the president still hasn't carried that through, which for his base is really important because ordinary conservatives are not just silenced and censored by social media companies. They are attacked. They are disparaged. They are heckled. They are thrown things out. They are punched. They are kicked. They are chased out of restaurants. And yet no action on that. We're speaking to our friend Raheem Kassam. He's co-host of the War Room podcast, which he does with uh, Steve Bannon and uh, Steve Miller. And uh, let's, um, or Jason Miller, sorry. Steve Miller is a great band. Jason Miller is the co-host of uh, War Room with him. He's a good guy. Um, so, Raheem, now I want you to just try to explain to folks, because you've been doing great coverage of this. I've been seeing all your stuff on, on Twitter. Um, there are huge protests. I mean, in Nor- they look like the anti-war protests uh, against the Iraq war in Europe back in like 2002, right, or 2003. Um, there are huge protests in Europe right now where there are people that are doing this Black Lives Matter, similar rhetoric. They're, I guess, under the umbrella of the Black Lives Matter movement in some way, but they're defacing Churchill statues. Just Tell us what's going on, you know, uh, across the Atlantic on this one, because I think to a lot of people, how is police conduct in Minneapolis by one one cop in a Democrat controlled city with a Democrat police chief, by the way, how is that something that gets tens of thousands of Brits, of Dutch, of I think the French? I mean, I've seen the Amsterdam and, and British stuff. What's going on? Well, um, uh, in, in fact, right behind me here is, is a book I wrote in, uh, in, 20, uh, in 2018 called Enoch Was Right, and it was about a member of parliament called Enoch Powell, who in 1968, 50 years before I, I wrote the book, or, or I read the book 50 years after he gave the speech, 
Um, he talked about, in, in very un, uh, in, in no uncertain terms, sorry, um, the immigration problem that uh, Britain would face as a result of the lack of assimilation and integration that was pushed. What he called the uh, the, the the lobby, the race relations lobby, that really started off as one or two think tanks that turned into a multi-billion pound a year uh, lobby group. And, and you know, everything that, he, and the book's called Enoch Was Right, because everything that Enoch said would come to fruition in the United Kingdom as a result of mass migration has come to fruition, and we're seeing that now. Look, most of these protesters outside Parliament, whether it's in Parliament Square, whether it's on the Mall, whether it's all over the country trying to pull down different statues, they wouldn't be able to pick Minneapolis out on a map, they certainly wouldn't be able to pick out a picture of George Floyd. We saw one of them going on TV uh, just a few days ago and saying that uh, she had never met Winston Churchill, so it wasn't for her to decide whether he was a racist or not. Doesn't even know who Sir Winston Churchill is, and we've now got a failed member of parliament now who was actually kicked out of the House of Commons uh, after being charged with criminal activity, who's now saying that Cocoa Pops, the cereal, is racist because it, they are brown and it has a picture of a monkey on the front. These people are racist grifters. They have uh, been doing this for decades now. And one of the things your audience should really know is that the Black Lives Matter UK organization isn't actually a community-led grassroots organization. It's actually a wholly owned subsidiary of a political party in the United Kingdom, which is called the Socialist Worker Party. Now, the Socialist Worker Party, Buck, you're right to identify, are the people who organized uh, the, the big marches, regular marches, whether it's about race, whether it's about war, whether it's about policing, whether it's about jails, whether it's about immigration, all of these hard left-wing communist positions the Socialist Worker Party take. They are often seen uh, on Press TV, the Iranian news outlet. They are often seen on Russia Today, the Russian state media outlet. And these are the people who are driving this. And it comes down to this one organization that I've identified in the UK called the Stop Trump Coalition Limited. That's right, these great anti-capitalists have a private limited company that they run the far left-wing activities through, and it's called the Stop Trump UK Coalition. Now, what, again, uh, left-wing uh, politicos in the United Kingdom are doing running a Trump coalition, yeah. uh, you know, that's a big enough question mark over it. What I want to see from the American government is to say to the British government, well, we know for a fact, and if they need help, I'm here for them, I can hold their hand along the way, we know that the British government has given grants and subsidies to a lot of these left-wing activist groups that masquerade as think tanks and academic researchers and so on and so forth, and that money is now being plowed into campaigning against a president of the United States ahead of an election. If that's not foreign collusion, then I don't know what is, and I, I just dread that we're not going to get our ha heads around these facts before the election itself. Raheem, what was the, uh, there was a, a protest, I saw this in London, um, there, were, there were anarchists destroying statues and being violent in, in London, and, and then there were counter-protesters who showed up, and from what I could see, all of a sudden, when the counter-protesters show up, then the streets are flooded with police who are very active and very, and very vigilant all of a sudden, what what has been the reality there? And we know what is it uh, is the mayor still Sadiq Khan? 
Yeah, the mayor is still Sadiq Khan. His term is actually over, but because of the pandemic, we've been unable to hold an election in London. Now, I would argue, and for the nerds who are watching, I would argue that the mayoralty of London is actually an unconstitutional position in the United Kingdom. The whole thing, the institution should be scrapped. Margaret Thatcher actually did that to the Greater London Authority in the 80s, and then Tony Blair brought it back in the late 90s in order that somebody like Sadiq Khan could take the billions of budget London has and use it to campaign against the government. And of course, people will know that Britain has traditionally had conservative governments. So this is a, a, one of their clubs that they like to beat us with, which is gathering all the sort of liberal metropolitan elitists in London who vote for left-wing things and, and giving the mayor the budget by which to fight against the national government. We should be getting rid of that. But to your point about the protesters and the counter-protesters, you know, I've personally led marches of 20,000 people down Whitehall, right outside 10 Downing Street, and the police were completely absent when uh, it was the left protesting, when it was Antifa protesting. The police across the United Kingdom have been absent uh, when, when hundreds and thousands of young girls have been systematically groomed and raped by predominantly Pakistani Muslim men all around the country, police completely absent. We've had years and years of investigations into that, and the government still hasn't concluded and released the report. But when I march 20,000 people down Whitehall, you've got the full police in the right gear ready to crack heads. And of course, crack heads they did. There are a number of scuffles this weekend between the patriotic protesters. And yes, as always, there are going to be some bad eggs in that crowd as well. Some people just go looking for a fight. I don't even really need to say it at the moment, but it's nothing compared to the BLM social justice uh, uh, socialist uh, worker party and Antifa crowd who have 95% bad eggs in their ranks and are smashing statues up. This is the Britain that we have been uh, bequeathed uh, by Boris Johnson, by Sadiq Khan and, and the whole neoliberal set who have no interest in keeping British tradition alive, who have no interest in keeping uh, uh, peace and police on British streets and who have no interest in seeing down the multiculturalist race relations lobby. And it is a lobby and it is an industry that needs to be eradicated. Raheem Kassam, everybody. War Room is the podcast. You can check out, listen to him there. Also follow Raheem on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook. He does great work. And uh, Raheem, please uh, save freedom in Europe and America, okay? We got a job for you. Got two hands. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I see poor technique, and that matters in this analysis. If you can't do your job using minimal force, you wind up using more and more force. Hence, two officers not being able to control in a struggle that anybody who's had any measure of fight training sees they don't know what they're doing on the ground with this man. They don't. I'm sorry. No disrespect to police. I have high regard for how many of you do the job, men and women. This is not good technique. They then use the taser because they could not control him. He then gets the taser. And then what you happen see here ensues. He gets away from two officers because they don't know how to restrain him. What the heck is Fredo Cuomo talking about here? I mean, yeah, obviously this guy was able to wrestle a weapon out of the hands of, of the law enforcement guys. It's nighttime. It's a situation where these cops, they're not idiots. They know what's been going on across the country. You know, they know the moment that this gets violent. Oh, my God. If, they, if we actually have to do something here, they're terrified because they know that if something like this happens and it did happen, then they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt at this moment. No, that's for sure. 
What, what, what's 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 Bro Cuomo suggesting? Everyone's going to be what an MMA specialist all of a sudden? I got a question for Smarty Pants Cuomo. What do you think about female law enforcement officers, Cuomo? Um, because believe it or not, and I know that this is oh my gosh, uh, size and weight matter a whole lot when you're trying to restrain someone just with your hands. Women are overwhelmingly smaller and lighter than men. So should we have female cops? Well, of course we should have female cops. But guess what? Female cops are going to have to use things like nightsticks or batons and tasers because these things matter. But, oh, you're never going to hear him say that. Never going to hear him say that. He's just going to say that these officers didn't have good technique. It's really just a way of being like, yeah, check out my guns. I work out a lot and I did MMA training. He's a 50-year-old man who's getting paid millions of dollars to spew propagandistic BS on TV. Oh, oh, yeah, he's going to go teach everybody? Hey, do you even lift, bro? Thanks, Cuomo. Leave the thought process to other people here. Let the analysis go to those who understand what it is to actually be there, who have carried a weapon in the course of their duty, which Cuomo has never done, who have put themselves at risk in the course of their job that they will use force if necessary. Cuomo's never done this. Well, you know, training, oh my gosh. You know, all of a sudden, you got these, got these media guys that are all karate experts. Uh, but, you know, easier to, easier to do that, to pick on that, than to say, yeah, get tasered. It's your fault you're going to get tasered. That's what Cuomo's telling these officers. So, since it's your fault because you weren't good enough at grappling, remember, no, no chokeholds. So, you know, that's a no-no now. So if someone's stronger than, so do all cops have to be, are we going to have rigorous physical standards? All cops have to be, you know, in the 90th percentile of strength and fitness. And you're not going to have a lot of cops. I'm just, I just want to know what, what's the real answer here. Oh, that's right. There is the, the real answer is just blame the cops. No, no disrespect. No, he's disrespecting them, but he's a jackass. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show ain't over yet, folks. Keeping it real. It's time for Roll Call. Roll call, everybody. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. If you want to send a Facebook message, Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. If you want to send us an email. And uh, Producer Mark, what is the phone number for the Producer Mark's penalty box? That's what we're calling it now? Yeah. Okay. It's uh, 800. I don't know. You know it by now. 844-900-2825. Yeah, that's what it is. 900-2825. I have to look it up every time. Yeah, fair enough. Well, there we go. So if you want to call in, that's the number, folks. Uh, 844-900-BUCK. Pretty easy to remember. Leave a voicemail. You can get the producer Mark. We'll, uh, we'll put you on on Friday. And we've really enjoyed that. It's fun to hear your voices. So please do call in and we'll get to it. We'll do a whole, a whole segment of just voicemails Friday. So you'll, you'll get a lot. Of, we'll get a lot of voicemails in. Joe. Buck and producer Mark, you shouldn't move to any red state. Every conservative that lives in a hopelessly blue state like yours and has the means to do so needs to move to purple states and turn them more solidly red. We may have to give up on the blue states in the short run 
even when we may have generations of ties in order to save the nation in the long run. So Florida is a good choice for you as it is wavering and very important. Shields high. Another vote for Florida. Producer Mark. I'll put it up on another the one. Wow. You, you made a pop culture reference from this Look decade. Wow. Another one. I know things. I know things about stuff. So, yeah. Um, was that DJ Khaled? Is that right? DJ right? Khaled, Grandpa. Khaled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All righty. Uh, Jim. Oh, yeah, no, Florida is great, Joe, and uh, we'll, see what, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, if New York continues to be turned into an unlivable hellhole, then uh, obviously Florida sounds like it's beckoning. Jim, hey, look, I mean, look, you know, the origi- you know who the original guy was here? The one and only Mr. Rush Limbaugh. He moved down to Florida, what was it now, a decade ago? At least, maybe more. I think we'd be happy to follow in his footsteps. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. He moved down to Florida, and uh, I think it's been at least 10 years. So, and he's been very happy down there. So, I'm just saying, Jim, hey, Buck and Mark, I'm in Michigan. Just had a thought listening to your Thursday show. For three-plus years now, we were told that you can't withhold federal funds to sanctuary cities for not complying with federal law. Now Biden is saying he would withhold funds to police departments that don't sign on to federal reforms. But I thought it was unconstitutional to do that. Uh, Good point, Jim. On a side note, I work in healthcare, which is full of hardcore libs. And Governor Whitmer's lockdown has brought some of my coworkers away from the dark side. People I never thought would convert when they asked me for recommendations on who to listen to. I obviously pointed them to you. Two more of them have now stepped inside the Freedom Hut on a daily basis. Keep up the great work, my fellow patriot. Our country needs you now more than ever. Well, Jim, thank you so much for passing the buck. Nothing makes me happier to hear really than that. Uh, So and everyone listening, the more you can do that, that's how the show grows. I don't have some advertising budget. You're not going to see, you know, the Buck Sexton show in commercials on Fox News or banners in your local uh, or, you know, what do you call those things? Um, When you drive on the highway, what are those billboards? You're not going to see Buck Sexton's face on big billboards or anything like that. So this show grow and it continues to grow because all of you tell people about it. And I think once they give this show a shot, if they can care about politics and conservative content and ideology um, and just want a really good podcast or really good radio show to listen to. And I, I think we match up against against anybody. Uh, I think that there's rush. And then I think other than that, it's really up to who you think is the best. And, you know, who I think is the best after rush. So there you go. Uh, Todd. Oh, and as for Michigan, uh, Jim, yeah, I mean, Whitmer, the just the the petty tyranny and dishonesty that was at the heart of so many of those decisions that she made and the fact that her own family was looking to kind of get around it and violate it. I mean, this is that's classic lib stuff. Ruin you do things that make your life harder and more challenging, more difficult, and then make sure that you're not subjected to that, though. Right. I mean, you know, meaning that they ruin other people's stuff, but their stuff is to be protected. Their rights are sacrosanct. This hypocrisy is the foundation upon which the left is built. And they have to be hypocrites because no one really will be able to adhere to the standards they pretend they adhere to. It's never going to happen. Todd, uh, book podcast listener here. Well, thank you, Todd. On Wednesday's show, you asked why conservatives aren't counter protesting. The answer is simple. Uh, We aren't crazy, and the current commie protesters are. 
While I'm passionate about liberty and freedom, I'm not yet willing to lay down my life and also risk the safety and security of my wife and kids, however that time may come. For now, Texas is holding strong, but it makes me sick to my stomach to see what's going on in other places in my beloved country. Todd, um, my friend, I, I just I'm not clear on whether your your concern is really about uh, covid or or you mean just that protesting would put you at risk for other reasons, uh, because I think if you're really that worried about I, I, I don't think you should be that concerned about covid uh, right now. If you're protesting outside, unless you have an immune condition I'm not aware of or if you're over 70 um, I don't think that you should be that concerned about being outside and and protesting. Uh, that said, to each his own, and you've got to be your own risk assessor. And look, I, I've been telling you guys for a long time that I I go out, I live my life as much as I can, even under these current restrictions. And there may come a time when I'm in here and I'm like, guys, I'm really sick. I'm in bad shape. I've got COVID-19. And and I, I understand that. I understand that. So don't think that if I end up getting COVID at some point in the future and I'm really sick and can't do the show for a few days or whatever the case may be, that, I, that then I'll feel like, oh, no, whatever. No, I'm accepting that there is risk to my actions. I understand that. I'm trying to be smart about it, but I'm also living my life instead of cowering in fear and hiding under the bed all the time. Uh, so that's that's just my approach. That's how I'm doing things. Daniel. Hey, team, I hear all the warnings from everybody about moving to Austin, but I'm surprised no one has mentioned this. Alex Jones currently lives in the Austin area. Sure is a beautiful city with a lot to do. But if you move to Austin, you're taking the risk of becoming Alex Jones's neighbor. And you know how that could turn out. All right, Daniel, let's understand something right now. Okay, if if Buck Sexton moves to Austin, Texas. I mean, there's going to have to be a steel cage match between Alex Jones and Buck Sexton. No, no question about it. I mean, we're going to have to go mano a mano, shirtless, see what happens. Get into a fight. You know what I mean? I mean, it's going to be me versus Alex Jones throwing down, maybe put some money on it for charity. I don't even know. You know, it's part of an Illuminati plot. That's for sure. Buck Sexton moving to Texas. I've had enough. I've had enough. I, I think I don't think I could handle it. That 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 poofy, poofy haired New York City guy. Imbecile. What was it? Imbecile. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, thanks for the thanks, producer Mark. Appreciate it. you helping 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 Team Alex Jones out. I, I just see. felt That's it would it would work. No, no, no. I was trying to go for something a little more like you know that, that Yankee, something like that. Oh, okay. You know? Can we okay, p- finally put the final nail in the coffin of Austin now? I think that should do no, it. We love Austin and we love our KLBJ listeners. And no. I, I'm going down to hang out with them and Listen. visit them. But yes, as a place to move. Okay. We're getting a lot of getting a lot of pushback. I think they just they're, they're painting uh, Black Lives Matter on the streets there now too. I just saw that today. Listen, I don't want Austin to hate me. I'm sure it's a lovely town, great place. I'm happy to visit. I just don't think we should move there. Oh, Alex Jones is going to hunt us. We're bringing freedom down to them. That's right, Buck Sexton. I'm going. I'm going after him. I'm sending my crazy listeners after him right now. It's going to be going to be nuts. Um, I will eat my neighbor Buck Sexton. I'll eat him. I'll eat him. I got no I got no shame about that. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess if I ended up being his neighbor, he's already said that he would eat his neighbor. So that means that if I did move to the Austin, uh, Austin area, there is a not zero chance that I could be eaten by Alex Jones. Just saying it's possible. He said he'd eat his neighbor, folks. Jason, which was one of the funniest things I've heard in a long time. Jason. uh, Hello, team from Minnesota. 
I've been listening to Buck since the birth of my first son back in 2012. I used to catch your Saturday podcast during his naps. Very fond memories. Not exactly sure when you first went on air those Saturday podcasts, but after May of 2012, I've been hooked. I've been listening to you from your very early days, and I've always appreciated your point of view on various political topics. Know, sir, that you are not alone and that your position is shared by a large majority of fellow Americans. Well, thank you so much. I live 40 minutes away from Minneapolis, and the last few weeks have been an up-and-down roller coaster of emotions for me. It pained me to watch the George Floyd video, and it pained me just as much to watch the cities that I love burn. Right, or the cities I love burn, yeah. Right now, it is crazy in this country, and I'm praying for the good guys to win. Please keep up the good work and don't stop. This country needs a platform like this to voice our beliefs. Shields high from a fellow gray beard millennial. Uh, well, look, we really appreciate, Jason, uh, that you've written in with this, and we're going to keep doing what we do. Uh, but it's, it's tough. I, I've been speaking to friends of mine who even run some conservative media platforms, and they're all worried, too. I mean, it just feels like, you know, we go digital, then, then, then the social media platforms clamp down on us. We create our own platforms on the web, you know, create your own URL, and then you know, PayPal or, or one of the pay payment processors comes after you. You you create a a pirate ship that the left can't easily, you know, can't easily just have canceled or taken down. They go after any business relationships you had and any sponsors. Notice that they do this and they keep doing it. And our response is just to hope that we don't get eaten by the crocodile, so to speak. Our response is to sit around and pray that things get better. They're not getting better. They're getting worse. They're getting worse. And, and I'm going to say this to you. I'm a capitalist. You know, every sponsor that I have on this show is a company that I know and work with and, and trust. And you are voting to keep us on the air every time you use one of our promo codes or go to one of the sponsors. I mean, I want to be very upfront about that. You know, when I, when I do um, a read for whether it's Oxford Gold Group or I do a read for uh, any, you know, for any of our, our sponsors that you're hearing day in and day out, and I was going to start naming them all, but then I realized I'm doing a commercial for all of our sponsors. And when I, when I do these reads, understand, you know, done for you real estate. Um, when you just go check out those companies, even, even if you're not going to, even if you don't necessarily make that, that, uh, decision to, to buy or, or to sign up or whatever it may be, uh, you're at least showing our sponsors that their support from team buck and that means that they can keep supporting this show. So I, I always want to be very explicit about that. When, I, when I'm telling you guys, hey, if you can, and look, I know times are tough right now for a lot of people economically and all that. But, you know, first of all, a lot of what we tell you about is going to save you money. That's a big part. A lot of the sponsors we have are going to save you money based on what you have right now or save you from a lot of, of downside. Um, but that's the way people ask me, well, how can we help? Pass the buck. And if you can, please use our sponsors. You know, please actually go when you hear those commercials during the show um, go and that's the way to get the kind of support that we can keep you know can keep rolling with right producer mark we're capitalists isn't that fun that we get to be open about this absolutely we love all of our sponsors we love our sponsors and all of you going to them is what keeps us on the air otherwise producer mark and i are gonna have to start a hot dog stand and he's gonna be a tyrant because, you know, he's going to run the hot dog stand and I'm going to be the guy cooking and I'm going to put too much sauerkraut on. And he has a very specific sense of how those dogs should be dressed. Yes. Ketchup. Ketchup. That's the move. Not I, I, I'm glad that you said ketchup instead of mustard, because for me, 
Mustard is fancy. Mustard is what you put on your on your Polish sausage, on your more on your bratwurst, your more advanced uh, deli meats. I think uh, if you're going for a, a classic stadium situation, you got to go with the with the ketchup. Of course. And Absolutely. if you're at a kosher deli, you get the spicy red onions. I'm with you. Oof, man, I'm getting hungry just talking about this. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Anthony writes, hey, Buck, Chaz Chop, no longer call them autonomous. Someone probably told them or they figured out that if not part of the United States, they can't vote for president. LOL. Shields high. LOL indeed, Anthony. Thank you for, uh, for writing in. I appreciate it, man. Good to, good to have you as part of the team. Uh, Lance, good afternoon, Buck. Good afternoon, Lance. I'm a loyal listener and fan. You and producer Mark fill much of my Sunday as I save your podcast. Dude, Braveheart was indeed a great film, but I've yet to hear you mention Once Upon a Time in America. Martin Scorsese's masterpiece work, in my humble opinion, Shields High. Um, Lance, I saw Once Upon a Time in America in a high school film class. I saw it once. I, producer Mark, producer Nick, is this, is this a truly great film? I have not seen it. Okay. Well, I don't know if producer Mark, I mean, producer Nick has seen it, but we'll have to see. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. That's, I'll, maybe I'll go back and rewatch it. It's been a lot. I, I can't even weigh in, Lance, on your, because I don't remember it. I did watch Amadeus, as I told you, over the weekend, and I introduced the Snow Princess to So I Married an Axe Murderer, which is like a very watchable 90s, you know, it's like, it's like eating some M&Ms or something. It's not amazing, but it always kind of gets the job done. Except for peanut butter M&Ms, which are amazing, if we're going to be fair about this. Uh, Thomas, Buck, I've listened to the reports, discussions, and seen the videos of the shooting last Friday night of Rayshard Brooks in Atlanta. The procedures used by the cops was proper right up until the scuffle started and the fight commenced in the efforts by these two police officers to take him prisoner. Um, at the point where Brooks broke free and started running away from the scene is where everything was done wrong. I had to ask who trained these cops. They failed to use the equipment they had at hand and started chasing him. Why? It's stupid actions like that that destroy in five minutes years of public trust and cooperation that good cops worked for decades to establish Shields High. Um, well, Thomas, if someone has resisted arrest and runs away, the cops do chase. They, they, they're supposed to chase because otherwise everyone would try to resist arrest because if you get 10 steps away from the cops, you're free. All right. I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense. So I'm not really clear on what you're saying in that point. They look, the, the big debate is over whether when someone is running from you and points a stun gun at you as they're trying to get away to use lethal force to defend yourself. And to that, I would just say, you know, that's it's this is a it's a tough call. But I think the officer doesn't have to subject himself to getting tasered and possibly having his weapon taken from him and being killed with it. So but Thomas, I appreciate you writing in and thank you very much for sharing your point of view on this. Team, that's going to be the show for today. An honor and a privilege, as always, to be with you. Please pass the buck. Check out bucksexton.com. Until tomorrow, shields high.